I'm Rev David. Thanks for joining me as I wander through life. Today I'm thinking about forgiveness and about love. And so I'm going to begin by reading part of Matthew's Gospel from chapter 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, if my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? No, not seven times, answered Jesus, but seventy-seven times. Because the kingdom of heaven is like this. Once there was a king who decided to check on his servants' accounts. He had just begun to do so when one of them was brought in who owed him millions of pounds. The servant did not have enough to pay his debt, so the king ordered him to be sold as a slave with his wife and his children and all that he had in order to pay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you everything. The king felt sorry for him, So he forgave him the debt and let him go. Then the man went out and met one of his fellow servants who owed him a few pounds. He grabbed him and started choking him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. His fellow servant fell down and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead he had him thrown into jail until he should pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were very upset and went to the king and told him everything. So the king called the servant in. You worthless slave, he said. I forgave you the whole amount you owed me, just because you asked me to. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you. The king was very angry. And he sent the servant to jail to be punished until he should pay back the whole amount. And Jesus concluded, This is how my Father in heaven will treat every one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I don't know about you, but I don't like sport. I don't like doing it because I don't want to wear my body out before I'm old. And I don't like watching it, in case the team that I want to win doesn't. It makes me all tense, and I'm a man who likes a happy ending. One of the reasons that I've never watched the film Titanic. I mean, we all know what happens there, don't we? Consequently, I don't really know much about sport, and therefore I'm about to tread on some tricky ground by talking about baseball. I don't know how much you know about it, but from what I've read, it seems to be something like rounders. There's a bowler, fielders and batters, and four bases. And just like football, there's about 40,000 referees. The bowler throws the ball at the batter, the batter hits the thing as hard and as far as possible, and then runs like anything round the four bases, while the fielders try to catch the ball and get it to the bowler or to one of the bases. Confused? Well, that's okay, I am too. But here's the interesting bit. The batter has three goes at hitting the ball. As long as he or she hits it by the third time, then off they go, running round the bases. 
If they miss the ball or let it go, then it's called a strike. If they do this three times, then they are out. Three strikes and you're out. In recent years in America, the phrase three strikes and you're out has come to be related to something else. Breaking the law and prison. Some states in America have a law where what happens is if is that if you get if you commit some crimes, usually burglary or violent crime, and you get caught, then the first and second time you just get sent to jail in the normal way. But if it happens for a third time, then even if the crime is something relatively minor, then you get sent to jail for a minimum of twenty five years. Three crimes and you're out out of society for a very long time, possibly even forever, depending on your age. There are no fourth or fifth chances, no excuses, no mercy shown. Peter approached him and said, Lord, how often should I let someone sin against me and still forgive them? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but, I tell you, seventy-seven times. This passage is part of Matthew's Gospel that's often referred to as the community prescription. Jesus knows that he won't have a physical presence on earth for much longer, and so he's teaching the disciples about living together as a Christian community, as a church. In the midst of this, Peter is getting the idea that living together is about give and take, and about generosity and love. So he asked this question, Lord, how often should I let someone sin against me and still forgive them? As many as seven times. Now at that time, Jewish thinking was that three times was enough to forgive someone. If a man commits a transgression, the first, second, third time he is forgiven, the fourth time he is not. And if you thought that someone was doing something wrong on purpose, knowing they could get away with it by just saying sorry, then you didn't have to forgive them at all. So, of course, Peter thinks he's been really generous in saying seven times. It's more than twice what the law requires. Jesus' response is therefore quite astonishing. Not seven times, but 77 times, which really means endlessly. Times without limit. There's no baseball with Jesus. No three strikes and you're out. The unspoken question at this point is why? Why should we forgive someone endlessly? And Jesus tells the parable to answer that question and to raise a few other bits and pieces along the way. A king wants to settle all his accounts with his servants The first servant in the story owes millions of pounds and an amount so enormous that it can never be repaid, ever. The king thinks, well, the best I can do is sell the servant and his family as slaves and get a few quid back. The servant begs for mercy. The king shows mercy and the servant has his debt written off. It's better than before then, isn't it? Because he has no burden at all to carry. 
But then this servant goes and picks on some poor fellow servant who owes him just a hundred pounds. He grabs him round the neck and then has him thrown into prison. So the guy can never repay the debt because he can't work if he's in prison. The king gets to hear of what's going on and so he reinstates the first servant's debt and has him thrown into prison and tortured until he repays the whole lot, which we know is an impossible task. And the story ends. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. When my dad goes on holiday with his friends, then they all put the same amount of money into a pot or a kitter, which someone holds, and then they buy all the drinks and the meals and the scones with clotted cream and all the rest of it with this money. It's a way of keeping everything equal and fair. Everyone puts in the same. Everyone takes out as required to have a nice time. Everyone has a nice time. This parable this message is something on a completely different scale. All the stuff that we do wrong in our lives, all the times that we hurt and cause offence to others, and in doing so, set ourselves at odds with God. And God forgives the whole lot. And God forgives the whole lot, not in a way where, if we do something else wrong, then he drags up all the past things again. With God, once something is forgiven, then the book is closed on it, and we can look forward. This enormous debt that we owe to our God, not repayable by our own means, and we are forgiven it all. It's not a kitty where we all put in the same. God puts in this enormous amount of forgiveness and mercy, and then says, I've forgiven you all of this. Can't you find it in your hearts to give to forgive those around you just a little? Not seven times, but 77 times. I wonder if, as I've been talking, you've thought of any situations in your lives where you need to seek forgiveness from others or from God. It does us no harm to study the debts we owe to others, nor to seek the experience of cancelled debt. And on the other hand, there will be people who have hurt us, who we can seek to set things right with. These things will be different from all of us, and I don't in any way want people who have been deeply hurt to feel bad or guilty because they can't forgive the transgressor. But I do want to open up the possibility that sometime, one day, there may be a moment when things can move forward, if only a little. Refusing to forgive someone can be likened to keeping them in jail. The trouble is that the jailer has to stay in jail too, to stop the prisoner escaping. For us to forgive others, then we do need to acknowledge that we've been hurt. Forgiveness then involves surrendering our right to get even, surrendering our natural instinct for revenge. God has forgiven us so much, 
and asks that we search our hearts to see if we can move towards forgiving others. Our God is great. Our God is merciful and forgiving. We can never be equal to him in any way. All he asks is that we have a go, that we look to his example, that we look to our own lives, and that we walk in his ways as closely as we are able. Because the transforming power of forgiveness transforms us, transforms others, and brings into reality God's kingdom here on earth. That's it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.